dude, it's a liability for probably 75% plus of these kids. And nobody, nobody realizes that's kind of damage they're doing to themselves and how limiting they are with their beliefs. You know, like I played in fear and stress the whole time growing up, even into college and even pro ball by like, we talked yeah. about it all oh, the time, yeah. most of the time, you know, like, yeah. dang bro. Like we're just putting so much pressure on ourselves when we don't need to. Welcome back to another episode of Champion School. It is me, Ray Mack, with BZB Austin Byler. How are we doing today, BZB? Doing good, Ray Mack. We uh, we're back on track in the morning workouts, <laughs> so it's been nice. a lot of a lot of good juice flying in the morning. And then we're going to Wyoming today, so pumped up for the trip, man. Excited to get out there, see Todd Valor baseball and their program, and a lot of the kids out there in Casper, Wyoming. Let's go, baby. Uh, you guys are flying direct, right? You guys are or not direct, baby, but you guys are landing in Casper this time. Yeah, we're, so if we're going to Denver and then they Denver to Casper, and the the Denver flight is so you know the Denver airport. We it was scary last time, even and we had two hours, and it's forty five minutes in between flights. So we land at six forty five, seven thirty to Casper. I'm really praying that is right next to each other those yeah. terminals. So we'll see. Uh, I don't need a Denver horror story here. Yeah, and, and it is a, a world-ending bunker. So if anything does happen in Denver, you're going to be okay. You'll be safe. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what's new in the world of MLU other than uh, that trip? I know, I know, we got another one coming up in Phoenix as well, right? Yep. Yeah, we've got so Casper. By the time this is out, we'll be wrapping up the Casper Wyoming Clinic. That one's awesome. We'll be there a couple times a year. We're pumped for that. The next one will be next weekend in Phoenix, Arizona. It'll be November 6th and 7th at Willow Canyon High School. They've been great to us. It's been awesome. We're partnering with the Dysart School District to run this clinic. And we'll have a couple of big leaguers out there from the, the Milwaukee Brewers, which will be cool. Tyron Taylor and then Q. I don't know how to pronounce his name yet, so I got to get that dialed in. But Q will be out there. He's a pitcher. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun to have that there. And then next week we'll be going to the LSU action, baby. We'll be getting out to see Coach Jay, Coach Wani, Tyler, those guys down there and uh, get to go speak to those dudes and, and hang out with them. And then we got Southern California the next weekend, November, I think, 13 and 14 or 12 and 13. Uh, we'll be out there for a clinic, going to Chapman, a couple other schools, and then we'll have the uh, ABCA. We got a barnstormer down in San Diego that yes, Sunday, November 14th. So a busy couple of weeks, man. And then after that, it kind of dies down towards the end of November and into December. We'll have a, an Arizona clinic and then working on Sacramento or Vegas. So kind of seeing what happens here. Stay tuned. Uh, keep tuning in. You might have something new. <laughs> Shouts out. Things are moving here in Major oh. League University land. So fired up, fired up. Quick note on the POBs, Project Sandlot. The POBs are done. We have finished. We are done with all of them. The art is complete. We are stepping into phase two where we're doing all the coding. You know, it's going to be an interesting next step, but we're fired up. It should be. We're looking December launch, maybe January launch uh, at the latest. So uh, we're here, baby. We're here. Oh, it's been a good process. That's right. So uh, we didn't mention it right at the top of the show, but Zach Narrier is going to be joining us today. Um, dude is a legend. He played with you in the Diamondback organization. And he's still in professional baseball and indie ball, I believe, right now. And uh, killing it has had some great years. He's had some ups and downs, but that interview is going to be phenomenal. I hope you stay with us for that. But for now, 
Let's get into the good news of the week. Good news of the week. Uh, let's start right off the top. We are in the middle of tonight is game three of the World Series. We are 1-1 split with the Astros and Braves. By the time this comes out, I think we'll be uh, – it'll be, shoot, game five will be happening. Could be over uh, by the mm. time you're listening to this on a Monday. Uh, what have you thought about the last two games or even just the World Series in general with these two teams? And then what are we thinking is going to happen? I want to hear your prediction. We're at a 1-1 one, one tie. <laughs> Go ahead. The, the fundamentals that they keep doing is pretty cool to watch. There's been more behind the scenes than ever. And it's fun to just see these guys going out there and competing, still doing the little things on game 180, 181 this far into the season, they still stick with their process. So that's been really cool. And it's fun to see guys that are dark horses. I mean, we'll get into it on the podcast a little bit, but Matzik was an indie ball for a couple of years. Now he's like the dude in the playoffs. You see a lot of guys stepping up in these situations and that's been a lot of fun to watch. I just found out this morning that 68%, sorry, the winner of game three has a 68% chance of going on and winning the entire thing. So back home with the Braves, I got the Braves, baby. The Braves were winning this thing in six. Uh, I think the Astros will steal one on the road, but the Braves will go down and, and they'll they'll take one somewhere else. So I think game six is going to be the end of this thing, maybe Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever that is. I love Who it. Who do you got? Who do you got? You know, I got the Braves. And I got the Braves because I, I love Ron Washington. I think he's a great <laughs> dude. I think he's a, a committed leader with that team. Uh, and I got the Astros just had of it coming to them. Sorry. <laughs> you know? I, I think game six, it might go game seven. I think the uh, Correa and Tuve, like those dudes just play with a chip on their shoulder, Bregman even. Um, but man, it did just, it did feel good seeing them snake that first one. So, yeah. <laughs> not going to lie. But uh, yeah, moving on. Number two, this is a really cool story. I just heard this morning. Um, Michael J. Fox. Do you know who that is? Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Marty McFly, right? From Back to the Future, yeah. the man. Well, Michael J. Fox, uh, at 29, he was di diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. I had no idea, right? So he's been living with Parkinson's for a long time. Well, he just passed $1.5 billion raised to help fight Parkinson's disease this week. How incredible is that? Billion. With a B. What? <laughs> yeah. So I, I thought that was such a cool story. And I, I don't know a whole lot about Parkinson's disease. I would assume it's probably a very tough disease to live with. And uh, I know the, the, the healing process and the, the stuff that they go through just to deal with it is pretty tough. But I mean, to have somebody sit there and raise that much money and, and conti continually devote time towards something where, I mean, he doesn't need the money. The guy's was riding a hoverboard in, you know, 20 years <laughs> yeah. ago. So um, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. What do you think? That's incredible. That's great news of the week right there. It's just cool to see people being selfless and raising money for good causes like that. And then saving a lot of people. I know Parkinson's is really challenging and a lot of people will get it. I didn't know you can get it that early, which is a little scary. And yeah. to see him being able to persevere, he never even knew, right? It wasn't in mainstream. And then to see what he's done to raise that much money to help people who are battling that same disease. Round of applause. Round of applause. Yeah, amazing, amazing. That was incredible. 
Absolutely. That's really cool. Another one, I guess, quick tip. I, I didn't write it down, but Tyler Casagrande plays for the University of Arizona. He's an outfielder for them. Uh, I've known him for a while now. Uh, he's one of those guys that as soon as the in the IL stuff went out, he started, he got a T-shirt, and he was you know doing his thing, um, selling T-shirts that with some cool stuff on it. Well, with those profits, he just donated 10,000 of his money to one of the children's hospitals in Tucson, I believe. So, uh, wow. yeah, hey, good stuff going around all over, dude. And, and that guy's a young guy. He's like 20, 21, maybe 22 years old uh, at the max. So to see people taking, I mean, I'm sure he's not loaded. He's a college kid, right? But to take 10,000 yeah. of his own money and donate it to something like that is just incredible. So, That's amazing. Let's go. Yeah. Good stuff going around the world, man. That That's some good stuff right there. I love it. That's right. Good news of the week. Uh, for now, let's move into this week's Zen. Weekly Zen. Uh, this week, I wanted to talk a little bit about journaling. Uh, obviously, we have our own journal, uh, you know, the blueprint for success, but Journaling is is a huge part of my mornings. Um, there it is. If you haven't seen it, uh, huge part of my my mornings. Everyone kind of does it a little bit different, but I just wanted you to kind of touch on maybe even the things that are in the blueprint uh, or things that we would recommend as far as hey, somebody just just new to journaling. What do they need to write about? What's good for them to get their mind right for the day? The the number one thing we talk a lot about it, Ray, is the gratitude. And that's the first part of the blueprint for success. If you were going to do one thing in the morning that you wanted to just start the process of journaling would be the gratitude. And it's simple to just do three, I almost put two there, three things you're grateful for every single morning. And if you can only find one, you can find one. But what it starts to do is it starts to train your mind and even trick your brain into seeing the good versus the bad. And it's really easy either first thing in the morning or at night, right? At night, it's almost a better time to do it because then you can think about what's happened during that day that you can put down on that paper that was good about the day. You start to see more good and it changes your perspective and shifts your lens that you're seeing the world through. So the thing that I love the most about our blueprint is the gratitude piece. It helped me the most. It's helped you a ton. It's helped a lot of people. And it's such a simple, easy tool that doesn't take very long. I mean, it takes 60 seconds if you really just get down and put it on paper. And so that's really the first part of our blueprint and um, we have a goal for the day we have our affirmations which is just sharing and saying what i am declaring it to the world that hey i am great i am a beast i am following my dreams i am doing things the right way and it just helps you build self-confidence and then at the last part of it which might be my favorite part now is one thing i've dominated lately, yeah. right? What's one thing you've dominated? So easy to see the 0 for 5 or the missed free throws or whatever else you might be dealing with. It's hard sometimes for athletes to find the good in their performances. So I've dominated my process. My work ethic's been phenomenal. I might not be getting the results, but I'm killing it in the gym right now. I'm gaining weight. I'm working on my sleep. Something that you've dominated. There's one thing out there that you've dominated lately reminding yourself of those good things, which helps to bring more of those back to you. So um, long roundabout to the gratitude piece, most powerful part to me, at least. And in my mind, what about you, Ray Mac? Yeah, it's just, you, you, you know, that self-worth, right? Like, or your, your image, your self-image and the way you think about yourself is the biggest indicator of overall happiness for the most part, right? Like if I see myself as a dirt bag, like I'm going to feel pretty dirty, you know? So, um, 
every day you're writing these things down and the affirmations piece, it's like a recharge on your optimism. You know, it's constantly yeah. getting you into a good position and a good way to start your day. Yeah. Write that one down. I'm That's writing that one down. Dude. That one's a great <laughs> nugget right there. You can even learn from your teammates. How about that, man? That's right. Recharge so, your optimism. That's really good. Yeah. And it's, and it's easy, right? Like, especially when it rains, it pours. We talk about that all the time that, when I having a bad day, I start seeing everything bad with the world and everything wrong going on. But if I can see the positives, if I can see the glass half full more often than not, then I'm going to be able to walk around with a little bit more of a chip and, and be able to bring more people up too. So uh, I think all of that works together. Recharge your optimism. That is epic, dude. <laughs> but think about, you said something powerful though, Ray. You, you said when you start to fall victim to some of those things that you're like just mad about, how it spirals like the other day I'm, I'm mad about things that are going on um, in some of our schools and then that fuels me I see it on social media I get mad well then I'm mad to my fiance I'm mad to a friend I don't go into a coaching call as intentional as I could be and then maybe that suffers or the performance suffers for that person or your family and you take it with you right you like take on to these things and then it's like oh I see this you suck and then you get cut off and you're like oh f you and it's like all these little things start to compound oh, yeah. Instead of just, hey, there's some really good things. Donating 10 grand to a children's hospital. That was really cool. Hey, well, actually, it's a beautiful morning today. Oh, I went on a nice walk. Like finding those little things that you're grateful for. Massive impact in your life, overall mental health. Yeah, and a dude that we had just spoken with who talks about the gratitude and the affirmations, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Zach Nariere one of your good boys and the homies. And, and I just met him on this call. What a great dude. You know, he joined us. He sat down for an hour with us and it was just able to break down his ups and downs, you know, because if we know anything as baseball players, baseball is really hard to do, you know, consistently. <laughs> so to, it's how you handle the dips, right? Like how do you come out of those dips? And he talked a lot about holding an even kill, which I thought was great. Uh, what'd you think about the interview? Yeah, he's awesome, man. His faith that he, he leads with. I really like the vulnerability and I know everybody gets a little nervous to share it. And for him, he's like, what are we going to talk about? What are we going to go through? I'm like, dude, just be you. Like, share your story because it's powerful. It can help somebody who's going through this, a parent to help their kid, a coach to help their athletes and an athlete to help themselves. And for him, going through some of these dips that you're going to hear about, some of the, the moments in, in his life that were really challenging, but they developed the most character within him and then helped him go out there and have the best season he's ever had this past season. Um, and a really good, like, it's indie ball. It's really, really good indie ball. I mean, these are some yeah. dudes, right? It's one of the top leagues out there. So I'm seeing him just learn from those and mature as a, as a young man, as an athlete, as a good friend. Really, really cool to watch. So Zach's up to some really big things. I'm excited for him. He's got great energy. And you guys are going to love this podcast. Awesome episode. There you go. Without further ado, Zach Naria. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Champion School. I am Austin Byler, a.k.a. BZB. We got Ray Mack in the squad over there and a special guest today, Zach Nerrier, uh, one of my good teammates back with the Arizona Diamondbacks for a few years and then still kind of playing out with the, with Cleburne Rail yeah. Riders. Am I right, Cleburne? Cleburne Rail Roaders. Rail Roaders. Forward, but, uh, Rail Roaders, that's right. Good to see you guys. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Dude, we're pumped to have you, Z, and uh, just a great dude, man, overall. So wholesome, so honest, so awesome. And 
Um, just a really hard worker. So we're pumped to pick your brain a little bit, Z, and, and dive into this. But now uh, you're from Southern California. You've played all over the place. You've been up and down uh, the minor leagues and still like really going after the grind, kind of moving into some other things as we'll talk about later. But um, for you, Z, what's your story, dude? What's like, what really got you into baseball? When did you find the love and passion for it? And then kind of share your story, your career with us. Um, you know, I'll try to keep it short. I don't want to get too long, but, uh, yeah, from Southern California, um, grew up in Orange County, went to Elmdina high school. Um, Freddie Freeman also went there. So kind of known for that, I guess uh, he had some success there. And obviously you're seeing what he's doing now and he's in the world series. So that's pretty cool. Um, played two years, uh, junior college ball at Orange Coast college, transferred to Houston Baptist out in Texas where I'm at now. And then in 2015, I was drafted by the Diamondbacks and that's where we got to play together for a few years. Um, a lot of fun there. And then, uh, you know, had some success my first few years, got to play in a couple all-star games. And uh, you kind of know my story a little bit there um, with the next few years and how stuff stuff happened after that. But essentially I got to a level and, you know, you, you get into you get into professional baseball and early on you're like, oh, man, all these guys, they know everything. They're, they're going to tell me this, tell me that. Everybody, you know, I want, I'm going to get to the big leagues. This guy's going to help me here if I need it or whatever. So – and not that anybody's out to like do wrong or anything like that, but essentially I had a coach tell me, you know, you're not good enough. You shouldn't be here. And that like shook me. And I was like, okay, you know, what does he mean? Like, why is he telling me that? And instead of taking it as like, all right, I'm gonna put that chip on my shoulder and prove him wrong. And I don't know, that's probably what he's trying to get me to do. I, uh, I kind of believed it. And I was like, you know, hmm. this guy's here and, and he's in a professional setting telling me I shouldn't be here. You know, maybe he's right. You know, I've had some success in the past, but maybe I don't deserve to be here. And then I started playing mind games with myself and, you know, not coincidentally started struggling, you know, go figure. And uh, that kind of snowballed a little bit. I got sent back down uh, later that season, got injured. And then um, that off season, I don't even want to get into this too much. But that off season, I was like, all right, I haven't had a lot of power in my career, just doubles. I don't have more home runs started trying to get in the dump the barrel stuff, get on plane super early. And dude, it just, that also kind of wrecked me, man. And my bat was in the zone way too early trying to hit balls basically out of the catcher's glove. And then my next year started off in high A and um, everything was a pop-up or a strikeout. And as a senior sign out of college, you know, we got a shorter leash. So I was out of it real quick. I got released a few weeks into the season and, you know, that was my first shake of really getting my identity rock baseball and in life and, you know, we'll talk more about this as we get going, but, um, you know, you can't find your identity in what you do, you know, you can find your purpose, but, you know, my whole life I'd play baseball, you know, and I loved it from a young age. My first word was ball. I didn't, I know, I didn't tell you where my love came from, but just, I don't know, baseball right away, dude. I loved it. And, um, yeah, when I got released, man, it, it shook me. And I was like, oh, well, you know, if I'm not Zach Nary or the baseball player, you know, then who am I? So I kind of had to go through that process. Nobody picked me up that 2017 season. The rest of that summer, I was hoping to get an opportunity with some other organizations that I might have played well against or like me. Nothing, you know. So it shook me. I started working uh, in trade. I did finish carpentry for six, eight months before deciding that I wanted to give it a go and started getting in, into indie ball. Into indie ball, and that's what I've done the last, um, you know, three, four years. Um, had some success there and turned turn my game around a little bit. So looking for another opportunity in affiliated baseball, but um, that's kind of my story. And I don't know if you want to touch on anything, anything specifically before we get more into the identity stuff or, you know, just mental performance stuff, but you know, that's kind of who I am and where I'm at. 
Talk to us about, because nobody ever really talks about this. At least I don't see it. Maybe I'm just not watching the right streams, but not that many people talk about the transition of being released and then like wondering what's next. So for, I just heard something crazy uh, actually yesterday and it was 80% of NFL athletes go bankrupt within two years. And on the outside, you're like, man, these dudes are making like multi-millions of dollars. Like, how do you go bankrupt? What are you doing? And it's real, right? It happens. And so a lot of that stemmed from, at least the research said, it stemmed from their identity only in the sport that they knew. And then once they left the sport at 28, 30, 32 years old, they had no idea who they were. They didn't know what to do. They had no other passions. And they kept up the same lifestyle that they had when they were making millions of dollars versus when they're just a, I guess you'd say, regular person or ordinary everyday person. And so for you, Z, what it, was it like to go through that released process when you were released by the Diamondbacks you were searching for six to eight months I remember we talked a bunch of times you came out to Arizona a couple of times you were trying out you were going all over the place just to get a chance and an opportunity um, what did that moment do for you when that that experience happened of being released and then trying to figure it out again after that you know I I kind of just had you know like a realization and um, for a long time you know just within my family and friend group growing up and stuff I've always had a pretty good perspective with life and, you know, told like, I talk to my mom a lot and I tell, you know, perspective is everything, you know, you got to fix your mindset on what's truly important. Mm -hmm. Don't lose sight of what's important because especially this busy world, we got, we get caught up in everything so quick. You know what I mean? You can get stressed out or worry about anything. So I've always told her perspective is everything. And, um, you know, when I got released, it took me a little bit to remember that it took me a little while to check myself. I still remember, you know, I was in, I was high A, low A, so we were in uh, Kane County, um, so Illinois at the time, got released, had to drive back to Arizona, get the rest of my stuff, um, you know, paperwork, whatever, and then go back home to California. So that's a long drive. Um, and I, I drove down through uh, Houston and Texas to visit some friends as well. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a lonely place once you've been released and you're kind of like, all right, so this is what I did. This is who I was. And so identified as, and then you get all that taken away from you. And then I basically had 30, 30 hours, 35 hours to drive and, you know, you know, think about us. I did take the detour to Houston, so I added some, but like to think about all this, you know, there was times I cried, I, you know, you know, why me, or it's not fair, all this stuff. And, um, you know, I remember getting to a point when I was getting close to home it was actually between Arizona and California. And I finally was just like, you know what, like, if it was, if it was meant to happen with the Diamondbacks, this wouldn't happen. And I got to try and make my peace with it. So, um, I still know I got the fire to continue to play in me. So I'm going to see what happens, hopefully get an opportunity in an organization. And if I don't, then, you know, then I'll, you know, I'll figure it out from there. So a couple months went by, stayed ready, kept training, nothing happened. And then a family friend of mine, um, I actually coached his kid for four or five years. He's, he owns a carpentry business and he's like, you know, you want to come be finished carpentry for me just in the meantime. So I did that, you know, blue collar work and, and, you know, um, working, you know, manual labor, long hours, did that six, seven months, a few of the times we talked and then, you know, I got a taste of the real world and, you know, and I was like, you know, what? no, I still got ball in me. I'm playing. So I kind of got that transition of like, all right, at all you know when you're doing well everybody wants to talk to you you know what i mean you know when you're hitting the home run when you're you know maybe being an all-star when you're having success and you have a four or five hit game whatever it is like people oh great job you know oh i always knew you were gonna do good but no one's talking to you when you're going over 30 you know no one's talking to you when you're having you know 
not having success, you know, the, the real ones, your friends, your family, they're there for you during the bad times, but it's funny how that stuff changes. So, um, you know, I, I thought, I thought that I fully, you know, came full circle and knew, all right, my identity's not rooted in baseball. And I think I, I found that for a few years and we'll talk about it in a minute. I can get into it now if you want, but, um, 2020, a similar situation happened with me. And that's really finally when I had a breakthrough mentally with like, uh, my perspective and um, the importance of mental performance um, in sport. But yeah, 2017, getting released, working, doing that, doing that carpentry job. I was really like, okay, I still want to play, played in a little California winter league, got to meet some people that helped me with my swing, um, simplified things, got the barrel into the zone, but not by the catcher, started having more success, got into indie ball, put against some great competition, met some great people. I played, uh, with and against Tyler Matzik for two and a half years. And now look what he's doing in the, in the, you know, big leagues back in, back in the big leagues and shoving in the postseason, dude, maybe one of the most valuable, most valuable reliever in my opinion so far this postseason. So you see, it, and you know, it, it gives you, it gives you hope. And um, I still think I got a lot of good ball left, but get through this real quick. So I played any ball, have a couple really good years, still haven't gotten picked up, start comparing myself. Well, this guy got picked up and his numbers aren't as good as mine. And then you can get into the politics of it, but it's like, I can't think about that stuff because that's out of my control. All I can control is my process. So I go back to like, all right, focus on what I can control. Baseball's not an end all be all. Don't take it home with you, whether you're 0 for 4, 4 for 4. And I was still doing that. And back into my 2019 season, I had the best offensive year of my life. Like clipping 12 home runs. It's a 100 game season, probably played 95 games. 12 home runs, like 35 doubles, like six triples, at 290 good on base percentage, played great defense. Like I raked. I'm like, dude, why am I not getting picked up? I was hitting 350 two months in the season. I was like, why am I not getting picked up? And then I started comparing myself to all these people and losing sight of, you know, what I could control and, um, you know, started getting like, oh, well, I'm, I'm better than this guy. I'm doing this. Started losing my identity again. Had that good season to get picked up. And then, uh, sorry, I'll try to keep the rest of this short. You're good. 2020 watching out, Snoop. Right? I'm just watching the cat get the God, the, dude, the, the, the guest feature. <laughs> His disc cat Snoop. That's epic. Sorry, uh, Snoop, keep going. No, no, you're good. You're good. I'll wrap up real quick. So 2020 came around and it hit all of us different, right? Um, you know, mental health comes in big, not just in sports too, but also just with life, you know, especially with COVID and everything that's been going on. And um, we didn't know if there's going to be any sports, there's going to be any type of season. And in California, especially, everything was shut down. So I knew people that owned batting cages, weight rooms, all this stuff. I couldn't get in. Even though I was friends with them, I, I couldn't get in. Everything was closed. You know, people were – some people were open stuff under the radar and stuff, but you weren't supposed to do anything. So I wasn't fully prepared, and I try to stay prepared how I can, hitting the sock net here and there, whatever. And essentially the 2020 season came around. I had an opportunity to play and started digging myself. Like, yeah, man, I had – great season last year. Like I'm ready. I can go play. I'll, I'll do well. I'll be good. Even though I wasn't fully prepared. Well, fast forward through the season, I ended up hitting 190 on the year, my worst full season of my life. Right. I wasn't, I wasn't hot. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> ready. I couldn't just roll out of bed and hit, you know, 300 with production. So, um, finally got to two weeks left in the season. And I'm, I'm tying this back with when I got released So two weeks left of the season, that whole season I played with stress, fear it felt like the year I got released because I was doing so bad I think that started creeping into my head again and like I put so much pressure on myself and put so much value into how I did and how I performed on the field because I was expected to play well because I had the previous two years even though I wasn't as prepared 
two weeks left season, I literally got on, got on my knees when I started praying. I was like literally crying. I was like, God, I'm done. Like, I'm done. I don't care if I'm supposed to play baseball anymore. I'm done. I'm not going to take this home with me anymore. I don't want to be happy because I'm a four for four or two for four and sad because I went oh for four. Feel like, you know, I have no value because I didn't get a hit that night or didn't help the team win. So I was like, I'm done. I was like, you want me to keep playing? Like, like show me, like, I'm just going to, you know, literally let go of my God. And, and that last week or so finished up maybe two weeks of the season started barreling balls. Right. I was like, okay, I go, okay. Started barreling balls, feeling good. Most of them were getting caught, but I was barreling balls. Average is still bad. I was like, all right, whatever. You know, it's, it's fine. I'm hitting balls well. And then um, the postseason MVP or, or the, the regular season MVP was on our on our team. He had like 30 home runs in 60 games. So short Jeez. season COVID. Jeez. 30 home runs in 60 games, like maybe 25, but he raked, right? He was regular season MVP again this year. First rounder, I think, with the Twins. His name's Adam Brett Walker. You can look him up. The guy rakes. He hit 30, 270 with 30 in AAA, too. Um and I go up to him, my teammate, and I'm like, hey, congratulations, great job, regular season MVP, but I'm going to do it in the postseason. And he's like, oh, thanks, man. I'm like, okay, all right. And then uh, as I walked away from him, I was like, why the hell did I just say that? <laughs> I have no – I literally thought this. I was like, hey, there's no reason I should have just said that. And then I walk up to one of my coaches, and I told him what I said. He's like, yeah, dude, you're dark horse. He's like, I think you can do it too. And I was like, I can do it. And then I was just like, whatever, free. If I do it, great. If I don't do it, whatever, you know. But I know, I, I know I'm capable. I went off, ended up being the MVP of the postseason. We won the championship. And then I kind of just laughed. I was like, I finally got to the point where I didn't care. Wasn't going to let how I played define me. And I played better than I ever have. And I was like, I don't think that's coincidence. I literally just looked up. I was like, ha, ah, that's funny. Good. Yeah. good on you. So I took that into last season, hit the highest average I've ever hit at 330-something, had a good year. I was hurt a little bit and played full season, but um, this past season, you know, my process, you know, whether it's dig me videos before a game visualization, mental rehearsal, there's a place for all that stuff. I'm sure we'll get into it more, but this season, dude, I turned the page, man. It was like every at bat. I told our third baseman, me and him, uh, my buddy, Chase Simpson, O for O didn't matter. I didn't care if I was over three, three strike. I was fourth about, I wanted it. I was like, you know, sometimes you get towards the end of the game, you're like, crap, I'm over four, two punches. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm okay if he gets out and then the game yeah. ends and I just finish on deck. Like, I don't need to get that at bat. But this year I was like, no, I want that at bat. I don't care if the guy's throwing 95 with run or, you know, 99 with a 90 mile or I was like, I don't care. I want it because I'm over. I'm like, this is an opportunity. This is the first at bat of the day. Let's go. So taking that perspective into the game, dude, it's, it's freeing to play with no pressure on yourself. And um, just to tie that in, I want to tell you guys something. So I know I'm the only one talking. I apologize. Yeah, you're good. No, you you're good. Keep it running, baby. Um, I saw this video. Harper, stop. I saw this video, um, and Kobe Bryant was getting interviewed. And I kind of got a soft spot in my heart for Kobe, not just because I'm from Southern California, but I mentioned earlier I went to Orange Coast College. My late head coach, John Altabelli, was on that helicopter mm-hmm. um, when Kobe went down. Um, him, his wife, and his uh, youngest daughter, Alyssa. So it uh, – you know, it hits home when that whole, that whole thing happened. You know, we all heard Kobe passed away, and then I found out my head coach from junior college passed away. Who, dude, Juco? A lot of people go for second chances for direction. You know, my parents got divorced right right before then, so he he helped out. You know, as a mentor, I don't want to say necessarily father figure, but he got close to his players and was a great dude. Um, and he he ended up growing you know a strong relationship with Kobe because they both shared uh, this common goal just to win, just to win at all costs. They love winning, and, and then. 
his daughter played on Kobe's basketball team with his daughter, with Kobe's daughter. Mm. So they got tight. Um, but I saw this video after Kobe passed away, and it's him talking about how when he was 10 years old, he played in this really prominent uh, basketball league. And he's like, when I was 10, I sucked. He's like, I wasn't that good. He's like, my dad, my uncle, they both played in this league, and they were nasty. He's like, I, could, I didn't score a point. He's like, that's how much I was dominated. He's like, oh, I had big old knee pads on, high socks, was a goofy kid. He's like, I literally didn't score a point. No lucky free throws, no layups. He's like, my first time playing in this prominent league, I didn't do well. And his dad goes, whether you score zero or 60, I'm going to love you no matter what. Ooh. And that gave Kobe, he's like, okay. Kobe, Kobe will say, you can look up the video. He's like, that gave me the confidence to fail because I knew whether I failed or succeeded. It didn't matter. Like, I was going to be okay. And – I tell you all that because that's kind of the point where I got to at the end of that 2020 season. And since then I've been able to play and live in that freedom to know, you know, good or bad, whatever happens, God's got a plan for me and I'm going to be okay. So there's no point to stress out about that. And, you know, I, I coach and give lessons and stuff now. And it's just like, I know you guys are really involved and I love everything you guys are doing. I want to honor you guys like the major league university, you guys are doing what needs to be done and getting involved with youth sports and like teaching kids to make their mind an asset, not a liability. Dude, it's a liability for probably 75% plus of these kids. And nobody, nobody realizes that kind of damage they're doing to themselves and how limiting they are with their beliefs. You know, like I played in fear and stress the whole time growing up, even into college and even pro ball by like, we talked yeah. about it all oh, the time. Yeah. Most of the time, you know, like, yeah. dang bro. Like we're just putting so much pressure on ourselves when we don't need to. Um, so yeah, I want to honor you guys. Keep keep up the good work, but that's kind of you know what I got and my story. And uh, you know, I'm doing some more things, get involved in this in this space right now. It's kind of similar, just or just uh, in person stuff I'm doing with the kids I'm coaching. But I'm gonna get involved. You'll be hearing more from me in the future with this stuff. But you know, love what you guys are doing, and I appreciate you letting me share all that. Dude, absolutely, Ray. I'll kick it off to you. Yeah, Zach. I was gonna ask. You had mentioned your mom and 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 kind of given you perspective early on in life, like, and clearly the where you've been through a lot, right. And just where you are today is, is it's clear that you're, you have a lot more perspective, but early on, what were some things that she instilled in you that kind of made you the person you are today? Well, um, you know, it just kind of what was important, you know, um, my mom, she's a little bit of a worry wart, so She worries about a lot of stuff. She's super, super protective, but like, you never doubted that she loved her kid for you ever. Like I never doubted that. And um, from a young age, kind of just, you know, her influence over me to, you know, know I was loved and cared for. And, you know, that family was of the utmost importance um, growing up was just really instilled in me. And, you know, it, it, you know, her, my grandfather, like, a lot of people, it wasn't just her, you know, a lot, I was, I was very grateful to grow up with a lot of good friends and family and people around me, but for whatever reason, just, um, and I don't want to say she didn't have something to do with it, but, but, it, but I was saying, I tell her perspective is everything from a younger age. Like I would always tell her that. And it wasn't, wasn't that I just like, <clears throat> up with that, like people instilled that I mean, aunts, uncles, family members, just, just for whatever reason, I just took like, you know, family is everything. Now faith is everything to me also. Um, but it just made everything else seem kind of insignificant, you know, and, and my family knows me as a guy that brings people together and tries to make sure everybody's okay. And I've been a people pleaser to a fault um, to some extent. And I've worked on getting better about that, but man, it's just keeping your priorities in order because, you know, we, we, people play fantasy football, people gamble, people, you know, 
go get a drink or get in a fight with their girlfriend or whatever it is. But like, there's a death in the family or, or something bad happens. There's a pandemic, like you kind of stop and you're like, all right, what's, what's really important, you know? And I don't know, from a young age, I've kind of just have been good about trying to keep compartmentalize things and make sure, you know, you know, is my family okay? And make sure people around me are okay. Then I'm okay. You know? So I don't know, just, just family being emphasized from, um, you know, all, all my friends and family around me and just kind of keeping that perspective allowed me, has allowed me to have a good perspective and not let the little things get to me as much. Sorry, my dog is literally. Like, oh, you're good. <laughs> hey, yeah, I love we got dogs, we got cats. Hey, yeah. my, my neighbors keep fighting. So we might even hear a crazy <laughs> fight. He, he, one of the guys walked out yesterday and said, I'm going to kill myself. And then ran out. It was really scary. And uh, I didn't know what to do. I thought he was jumping off of the ledge. I was like, what the heck? Um, Zeke, I want to go back to a little bit the, the identity piece, right? The identity piece is so important with athletes. And I know you do a really good job now in Houston teaching it, coaching people with it, and, and just equipping other athletes with this. But you see it in professional sports. I saw it in, in sports. Ray sees it in college and, and all throughout his life, too. And it's such a big deal that is very under-addressed, in my opinion. I don't think a lot of people really hit it hard on the head or they're not vulnerable enough to share their own identity crisis to help others. There was a moment in, in independent balls after I was released, and I remember that same feeling that you felt, had my bag over my shoulder. I'm walking out of the D-backs complex, going out to the parking lot, and like I see like four or five people, my friends, right, that you grind with for two, three, four, five, six years. Yeah. Like, what's, where are you going? What's happening? And like, hey, man, I got released. And it's like you start crying. You get all these emotions start spurring yeah. up. But there was a moment that changed everything for me. And it was an independent ball, Schaumburg, Illinois. I'm four for 52. I'm hitting like 0.08, right? I'm hitting horrible. Like for those yeah. of you who don't understand it. And this, this pastor came in, right? This, this pastor was mentoring us. And it was the opposing team's pastor, by the way, the opposing team. And so I'm there and, and we actually had a, a mutual teammate, Tucker Ward. Hey, they only and, play for um, one team, man. They only play for one team. That's I right. know. It was That's awesome. Right. It's true. It's very true. And so he was with us, right? So they, they had everyone in there and he said, you know what, fellas, you had a name before the game. And it just like, it just, it's like, whoa, for 26 years, I've been finding all my value in how good or bad you said the stats, the, the great games, the all-stars, the non-all-stars. And then he said that. I'm like, man, all this pressure, all this stress, all this identity crisis that we go through as athletes, but it's more than this game. What do you, like, what's your best advice to an athlete going through this? We have a lot of parents and coaches who are coaching up kids our age, younger and et cetera, who are going through this. What's your best advice to them to help build an identity and more than just what you're doing, regardless of the sport you play? That's an excellent question. Um, and it took me a long time to figure it out. Um, not that I have it figured out, but like at my own process, you know, um, one of the things I was better at doing this year, and this isn't necessarily the best way to do it, but it's more of like a management throughout a season kind of thing is, you know, once, once I came in the locker room and, and I know you've heard other people talk about this for sure. Like I've heard big leaguers talk about this. Um, you know, obviously they, they're hurt a little bit more than me or you and, um, but like, once the game ends, you, you know, you go in the locker room, you take off your uniform, you shower, right. And you, you hit out the locker room and, and for years, I'm sure you were the same way. It's like, you take that good, good game or bad game with you. You know, you, you, you three hits with a homer, you're like, put chest out. Like, Oh yeah, <laughs> let's, let's go. Let's, let's go. Party, here. Let's go. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bye. We playing video games. Like what are we doing? You know, yeah. like, 0 for four, two punchies, 
you're walking out head down, shoulders slumped, like not, it's not how it should be. Right. You're definitely finding your identity in your game. If you're walking back to the car after your tournament or scrimmage or practice for these kids and they're doing that, you know, it, it's, it really struck me like growing up, um, you know, I grew up right 10 minutes from Angel Stadium and watched all these big leaguers. And the one thing I noticed, and you can see it today in a really, really consistent and good big leaguers, um, you can't tell if they're 0 for 4, 4 for 4, ever. Like, you don't know if Trout has two home runs or four strikeouts. Like, you literally don't know. And that kind of hit me in the last year or two also. And so, so, like I was saying, back in the locker room, I was like, okay, I need to do that moment to moment. If I make an error, it didn't happen stay present right so i would just folks um i would do my best in staying present within the game take the batting goes off the bat's gone over oh right batting goes back on over oh first opportunity at the end of the game bad day take the jersey off take the uniform off the day is over i just go shower i'm out that didn't happen so or it happened but it's real but it ain't predictive it doesn't have anything to do with my future so mm. i leave that behind me and then i'm moving forward um as far as like finding your identity, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm a believer. Um, I believe in God. I find my identity in Christ. So, um, you know, I'm looking to God and seeing what his word says about me on a daily basis. You know, every morning I get in the word and I have a couple other things I do, gratitudes, affirmations, dreams that I want to do. I write down my prayers, like a morning routine for, you know, things to keep me grounded and, and, and in, in the word itself, um, but I find a lot, a lot of identity in my purpose, right? And for me, my purpose positively influence people, you know, mentally and in faith on a daily basis. And that can come in, in um, you know, I don't want to steal this and you know, say it's mine. A friend of mine, Jonathan Darling, he talks about micro movements. So as simple as like you driving through a drive through how do you talk to the person that's giving you your food? Like, are you energetic? Ask them, hey, how's your day? How are you doing? Are you just like, Yep. Here's my card. Okay. Thanks. All right. See ya. So it's like, we have a daily, we have an opportunity every moment of every day to live our purpose and like who we are and people should be able to gauge that when we interact with them. You know, it's, it shouldn't, we shouldn't change based on who we're around because then we're put on all these different masks. It's not our identity, right? You should be the same person when you're around your parents as you are your friends, as you are, you know, your wife or something like that. You can't be like, all right, I'm one person, with my wife, I'm one person with my dad, I'm one person with my mom, one person, with my friends. It's like, that's exhausting. Like that's too hard to do. So be you. Yeah. So, I mean, you could even, you could even find your identity and writing things down. And if a kid's doing that, like, who am I? Right. You know, I'm Zach. I believe in God. I like to be with family and I like to show kids. They don't have to live in fear, show kids that they don't have to stress out that they can, relax and be who they are you know that they don't have to put weight into how they play like that is my purpose that's kind of my identity i, I want to be a guy that inspires people to live better and show them that they can and they already have the tools to they just might not know you know so i don't know just just kind of purpose you know wh where's your purpose come from and i think that will tell a lot about who you are you said you were talking about like not changing who you are to be around different people. And I, I, I've, we've talked about this a lot, like the closer your mind and like your actions align consistently across all platforms, just the happier you are, you know, and you're just true to yourself. And I, it's cool to see, right? Like you've been in that, the grind of the indie ball, which a lot of our, our listeners probably don't know a whole lot about indie ball, but uh, 
what are you doing off the field now? Like what is you you're putting the game away as soon as the game's over, which is great. But what are you doing as soon as you're you're out of the parking lot and and spending time with the dog, you know? Yeah. Well, it, it's funny. I laugh at first because like I, I grew up we, we grew up in that generation kind of where like, all right, I feel like our generation was the last generation. We're playing outside till the lights go out. But video games are also getting pretty dang cool. So, like, I did a little yep. bit of both. So, it's funny. <laughs> Bye. We, when we lived the together show, in IA, we played MLB <laughs> the show. So, we were nasty, by the way. A lot of times, there's a lot of times where, like, you know, after the game, on my routine, you know, whether I'm cold tubbing or, you know, showering, depends on my wife's in town, we'll go get dinner or something like that. Um, but, you know, like to decompress, don't want to be on the screen the whole time till I go to bed. Sometimes I might go home and play a game of the show or something, or maybe play a couple games of Warzone just to decompress, have some fun with some friends. And then um, I got into reading a lot the last couple of years. So I like to read before bed. I try to minimize screen time. If I am on the screen, I'll wear the blue light glasses or hopefully my screen's got a you know light blocker, but just something Something that's going to be fun, um, help me decompress, but I'm also trying to add value to myself. I don't want to, I don't want to just be wasting time. So, um, you know, as far as like affiliated with baseball, I'll kind of look at my game briefly while I'm in the locker room. Um, this is something kind of by I'm sure you've heard of this well, better how Brian Kane talks about it a lot. And like, I don't do necessarily a well, better how, but I'll look at my game, you know, after the game, like, Okay, how did it go? What, where do I need to make an adjustment? All right, I'm chasing too many pitches. My swing's fine. I don't need to look at that. If I'm swinging at bad pitches. My swing's going to break down. So get better pitches. And that, that, you know, that's how it shuts down. But other than that, yeah, just something something to have fun, decompress a little bit, and then trying to add value. So I'll read before bed and maybe some video games. Love that. The, the video games were huge. The, me, you, J-Mo, and we were oh, crushing yeah. the show. And we were dirty. Dude, hey, and I swear, I swear, man. If you play MLB the show, it makes you better. I <laughs> firm believer. Firm believer. Hand eye, but just seeing picking up pitches and stuff, like, dude, it translates. I swear. Because dude, there's been times where I don't play for a few weeks and like I'll scuff a little bit. I'm like, I need to play the show. Yeah. <laughs> I'll start yeah. again. I'm yeah. like, okay, okay. It's yeah. translating. Sorry, I don't know if I fully no, answered your question, but Oh, that was great. That was perfect. I mean, just wait till VR and the Oculus headsets get good enough and the show is really the show. You're, Dude, you're I rocking it. I want to get that Oculus with the, uh, I forget what it's called, but like you can face big leaguers and stuff right now. It's supposed to be pretty, pretty. It looks legit. Win reality? Is it win reality? Is that one of so. them? Win reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not to um, plug them or anything, but I know. Yeah, yeah, I wanna, no, we just plugged them in if you want to sponsor us. <laughs> yeah, I want to try them out, dude. That looks pretty cool. I've heard Goldschmidt and a lot of other guys did that during COVID preseason to like kind of keep them crisp. So if they're doing it, it's probably, you know, probably translates. That's so good. Um, I got one more question, Z, and, and then Ray, whatever you got. And um, then we'll wrap up in, in the on it or off it. I kind of briefed you a little bit on the on it or off it. I'm excited for that favorite segment. Here's one that I don't think we've ever asked anybody. How is it trying to find your wife or your future spouse through professional sports? Because it's not easy. You're all over the place, right? Walk us through that. You you, you married here recently, last year, I believe, right? Last year? Yeah, yeah, yeah last year. And so, well, and through a crazy, kind of a crazy year. deal. This okay. year, yeah. so this year. Beginning so of this year. Almost last year. So, yeah. you, you were married this year, and, and and I know she means a lot to you. You're very faithful and amazing. Through professional sports, you are everywhere. 
they don't know all the time what they're getting into, right? Your spouse is like, oh, you're going here, here, here. And oh, by the way, I'm gone for seven, eight months. And then I got to train here and this and this. So it's hard, right? It's hard. Walk us through that process. This is really interesting to me. How did you find your wife? How do you guys stay faithful to each other? Even when you're separate, she's got her work, you've got your, your dream that you're pursuing. Like walk us through the ups, the downs, the all arounds. Um, so I can kind of answer this question. So we actually met in college. So we met before Um, I had the opportunity to play professionally. We were just really good friends in in college. We had some similar classes. We didn't date in college. Should have, didn't. That's a long story. Um, Liked each other. There was always, you know, that, you know, kind of tension there. Like, oh, I think you like me. Are you like me? Or should we date? We didn't in college. We were really good friends. And as soon as college ended, she played soccer at HBO. I played baseball. So that's how we met. Um, And obviously some of the classes together. But as soon as college was over, you know, like, when you're in college, dude, you got a lot of stuff going on, especially as a student athlete. Like, you know the hours. Like it's strenuous. You're trying to, you know, you know, get good grades. Whether you're trying to keep an academic scholarship or not, you got your baseball scholarship. Hopefully, um, you're trying to. You got to be at practice. You got to be at weights. Whether that's before class and you got class, then you got practice, then you got to study and make food and eat sometime. Like, dude, it's hectic. So between all that kind of was like, no, you know, this ain't, this ain't going to happen. You know, it's, it's, I'm busy with all this stuff and, you know, and uh, just, it didn't happen in, in college. And as soon as I graduated and, you know, ended up getting drafted and going away and playing, then I was back in California the off season. And then that off season in California, I was like, I'm an idiot. Like I should have tried to date her in my junior year, actually. So I transferred there my junior year within six months of meeting her. I told my mom, like, I think I could marry this girl. Like I was just friends with her. Wow. I was like, I told her I, I, I could marry this girl. You know, one day I could see myself marrying her. And my mom was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? You married for six months. Don't marry someone from Texas. You won't come back to California. Yeah. Here. <laughs> but, yeah. um, which is funny, but no. So, um, I regretted it, but I, I knew, I knew in college that I could marry her and I wanted to marry her, but I was not ready for that. And like my mind wouldn't let me, wouldn't let that happen. I think because I was so consumed with everything else that was going on, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. And the timing worked out the way it did and it worked out for the better, but we ended up, um, reconvening years later and, um, you know, just, just over three years ago, I think, um starting to date again we always kept in touch we were always friends um but we f- first started dating um a little bit a little over three years ago so um i don't know man it's it's it wasn't it wasn't like we met when i was playing professional baseball but it's, to speak to like you know living in different places and stuff like that um man i don't want to say it's been easy because obviously it can be tough and um you know there's a lot of challenges like you said um i try to minimize distractions um Ray, we talked a little earlier about, you know, post-game routine and stuff like that. Like, I don't go out. Like, every now and then I might go grab a beer if spread is, like, raw hot dog, like, uncooked hot dogs and, like, just doesn't look good or something like that. And you're like, all right, we got to go get some real food, you know. So I'll, I'll go out and get a beer or get some food with the guys sometimes. But I usually go back to the hotel room, same routine as when I'm at home, you know, some video games, maybe read a little bit, get to bed. Um, but – we, uh, we do, we do something called five minute meetings every day. And, and basically, and this isn't a bad thing to do with just a family member or even friends for that matter, but it's basically five minutes. We got a list of questions we'll ask each other. And it's like, nothing else matters in that moment, right? Dogs aren't being distracting. We're not looking, the TV's not on. We're not looking at our phones. Like, well, when we're away, yeah, we're doing FaceTime 
or over the phone, but you're basically just being really intentional in this moment, trying to have quality time to connect, not just like communicate, you know what I mean? So like you're connecting and communicating and doing that every day kept us, you know, kept us solid. And um, also, also on top of that, with that, you know, connection and communication, just being a good communicator, like some people, like if you care, you're going to, you're going to make time, you know, like some people are friends or people we play with. I'm sure it's like, Oh, this girl, she like left me on red. Like she's not responding. You know, texting her four times. Like, well, she's probably not interested, but (laughs) you probably should look somewhere else, you know, but you know, it's never been like that. You know, when we have opportunities to talk, we talk and she's been trooper and and she's, I don't want to say she's like gotten used to it, but you know, she's made it easy on me. And it also helps that I've been able to play independent baseball in Texas um, which is only a few hours away. So I've been able to see her a lot throughout um, that last few years. So it's, uh, it's been made easy. It's obviously, it's easier than it should be probably if I was in a different state, but um, she's, she's a trooper about it. She's an athlete. She gets the commitment, you know, she gets, you know, chasing dreams and, and she supports me, which is awesome with my pursuit to try and play baseball in the big leagues. Um, so, Yeah. I don't know, man, just, just being consistent with communication and really connecting, not just, you know, a text here or there, you know, you got to be intentional with it. And that's how you should do with everything, you know, with purpose on purpose from hitting off the tee to doing mental work. It's like, you need to be intentional. If you're not intentional, what are you doing? Sometimes you get in these lessons and these kids will just swing, swing, swing. It's like, dude, we're not in here swinging. I I, I could care if you take one swing every minute when you're in, you don't take 10, like be intentional with what you're doing in everything right? You show me your habits. I'll show you what kind of person you are. You know, you're intentional and deliberate and you do everything and you're on top of your stuff and your routines. You're probably a pretty hardworking and and successful individual. Now, if you say you're going to do X, Y, and Z and you do X twice a week and Y three times and Z never, then you're probably not, you probably don't have stuff, you know, locked in. Not that I got it all figured out either. You know, everybody's Everybody can be better at something, but you know, you got to stay on top of your disciplines and your routines. That's so good. The disciplines, the routines, the habits, so good. I'm always curious of the baseball wife, baseball life type atmosphere, because I know it's not easy for anyone. So thanks for diving into that, Z. Ray Mac, cool. I'll kick it off. It, I will you. say any ball's easier, shorter season. You know, it's, it's easier. Ooh, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was going to ask last question before we get into the game. And uh, you've, I'm sure played under a bunch of great coaches and, and you've, you've had time with guys in different experience levels and stuff. What is one piece of advice you've heard from a coach, a coach has given you that's just kind of stuck with you. That's, that's meant a lot to you as a player or a person. Man, that is really tough. Um, one piece of advice. I, I don't know, man. It, 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 it it varies. It's, it's, I will say it comes back to keeping a good perspective. And I, I, you know, I, like you said, I played for a lot of people, John Altabelli at OCC, you know, way more than just a coach, great guy. He did a great job of making sure, you know, your perspective was in check, but that winning was still a priority. Kind of like I talked about Kobe earlier, you know, he still cared about winning. Um, Played with Shelly Duncan my first year by you, a chance to play for him. That guy is intense. What a dude. But and he said a bunch of stuff, you know, I'm, it's been multiple coaches, but never get too high, never get too low, even keel. Like if you can be 
like we like we talked about earlier, like if you could be like Mike Trout or all these guys today where you can't tell if they're four for four, oh for four. If you can be even keel and stay, you know, be where your feet are. Ken Reza likes to say that or um would say that a lot. Be where your feet are, right? This moment is the only moment we can control. Like the past has nothing to do with it. You worry about the future, you're not gonna help right now. So be where your feet are. And I had a few different coaches tell me, you know, don't get too high, don't get too low. Like, you know, don't, don't. Don't let the don't let the negative stuff get to you too much. Don't don't you know, be all proud when you do the good stuff. You know, you know, baseball's a humbling game, so you have to you have to stay humble and keep working every day. Never think you got it figured out. And, um, like I said, I'm pretty sure multiple coaches have told me something like that. So that it's rung true, and it and it it's sad because it's something that's so relevant and so true, and we hear it, but you don't implement it until it hits you, right? Yeah. So like I got released until I was in 190, you know, 50 games into the season, like until it hits you and you really comprehend it, you won't implement it. But you hear like, yeah, don't get too high. Don't don't get too high. Don't get too low. All right. Got it. Cool. Yeah. Got it. And then the yeah. next day you're 0 for three with two punches. Like, Dang. Like what the heck? You know what I mean? It's like yeah. hear, yeah. hear what people are saying. And, you know, it's probably a byproduct of this age, too. We got, like, 500 distractions. Oh, you know, this, that, whatever. TV's not like, you know, be intentional. Be intentional and hear what people are telling you. Listen to advice. So, yeah, don't get too high. That's good. I have a million one-liners from you today written down, so I appreciate you. <laughs> well, I don't want to say I came up with any of them. Like, it's you – know, I'm sure, like, you guys, like, we've all, we've all heard a lot of things from a lot of different people. So, it's just, like, a collection of – know important stuff that we need to impart to people when we get the opportunity yeah as a coach we don't we don't make anything up ourselves we just steal everything from everybody and just make our own (laughs) package man to be honest yeah Yeah. uh well let's get into the game uh on it or off it all right i'm gonna quick rules we're gonna run through 10 things it'll be quick uh you're gonna tell us you're on it you're for it or you're off it you're you're not really for it you're against it and then just like a little quick one sentence as to, to why okay all right, we'll start with number one, bowling. On it. I bowled a lot in high school. Um, you know, some kids like to party. I didn't party. I went bowling and thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> high, what's your highest bowling score ever? What do you think? Um, I've broken 200 Ooh. a couple times, but I don't bowl a lot. So I could bowl like a 96. And then <laughs> the next game, I'll bowl like six strikes. And it's not consistent, so... All good. Don't ask me to don't ask me to do it on command. But if we go bowl a few nights, we'll see. This guy did bowl a little bit. He's got a little in there. Good. Uh, Bitcoin. Oh man. Oh. Um, Want to be on it? Haven't invested yet. Okay. Just yeah. just I don't know. Still in charge. I do have a little bit invested in Coinbase actually. So I guess that is sort of Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, crypto. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I need to do. I need to do more uh, research. I, I have two shares of Bit or uh, Coinbase as well. All good. Uh, camping, on it, way on it. Um, perspectives, everything. I think you see God in nature. I think it helps you reset. Um, my wife and I went camping a few weeks ago. Love it. On it. Where'd you guys go? Um, just outside of Austin, Texas. Um, Right on the San Marcos River. We were like 20 minutes from the water. It was awesome. Money. Yeah. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, I'm a Rams. Oh, oh go Rams. Oh, 
Uh, I had to put the Cowboys in there for BZB. <laughs> uh, I do have I do have Dak and Zeke though on a fantasy team, so if they do well, I ain't mad. Let's go. Yeah, two good players on the whole team. There it is. Yeah, I'm nervous too. Horseback riding. Um, often, often. I was on a horse once when I was like seven, and it I didn't like it. I wasn't the horse was not. Um, obedient, so I was not on it at all. I was, I'm off it. I'm off it. Throwing around. Uh, country music. On it. I like country music a lot. Uh, became a fan of junior college, so it reminds me of that time and those people. And, you know, I think it's about having a good time with good people, so on it. Very nice. Uh, bunting against the shift. On it. Dude, if they're going to give it to you, do it. Like, I. I bunted more this year than I ever have. You know, probably had like eight or ten bump base hits. That's a big deal in the course of the season. So, on it. Awesome. Uh, Call of Duty. On it. <laughs> you want to you stop mucking about and hop into Verdansk with me? Let's go. <laughs> uh, the Houston Rockets. Um, off it. Not a big NBA guy. Um, but I'm a root for a team. It's the Lakers because all my family likes them. Nice. Uh, last one. Uh, Instagram. On it. Um, I I believe it's an excellent tool while sometimes it's misused for the wrong um, things and it's doing a lot of damage too for some people in the mental health area. I think there's still a lot of good that can come from it if it's used the right way, so I'm on it. Very nice. Nice job. You're just smooth, man. There's the fastest yes was Call of Duty. Yeah. (laughs) I I ain't going to drop like a 20 bomb like my little brother. My little brother is nasty Call of Duty. But I'll I'll hold my own, and it's a lot of fun just to have fun with the the boys. So, Has anybody ever told you you low-key look like Nick Merckx? (laughs) Nick Merckx? Never got that one. I've got a couple other people, but never Nick Merckx. Right on. I don't know what it is, <laughs> I look like him. We'll send you a pick. I'll send you, you do, a pick. You do, you do. You do look a lot like ah, him. You do. Crap. He's jacked. He, he, he's Great. fit, fit looking dude. You know, handsome, good beard. Yeah, I think Thank you. Not a bad Thank comparison. You. Not a bad one. I, I appreciate. It. I appreciate. It. Zach, we appreciate you coming on here, man. It's been a pleasure, and, and we're we're sending our blessings to you, man. We love it and fired up for you and your future. We'll have you back on soon-ish once uh, some really cool things start coming in the works for you and, and what you got in the works now going into this off season. So we're excited about that. Definitely get you back on here, but um, good work, man. We're excited. Come back to the West coast, drop down into Arizona every once in a while. We'll see you soon. <laughs> yes, sir. I will. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me on. Like I said, keep doing what you're doing. Um, you know, you, you guys unfortunately are a minority, but that's, that's how it is in the mental space. You know, it's the most important part of the game. It's so underutilized. So keep doing what you're doing. You know, you guys are changing lives, whether you realize that every day or not. So Keep it up and um, appreciate you. Thank you for having me on. Thanks, Zach. Appreciate, appreciate it, you, brother. Thank you guys. All right, we are back. Uh, Zach crushed it. That was that was simple. He did a really good job with the uh, on and off it at the end. And I thought it was hilarious Crushed. that we both had animals just wrecking the the <laughs> computer for on my end and just up in his grill. That is hilarious. Um, can't thank Zach enough. What'd you think? Again, one last touch on the interview. So the very first. The very first episode we've ever done, though, my very first podcast ever was with you <laughs> before you were on the squad. And Snoop a loop for your cat walked all over the keyboards. I think I still got his smell on my board. Like he was all in the podcast. It was hilarious. And then Snoop made a guest appearance out of nowhere. 
Awesome job, Snoop. No, it was awesome though. Zach was great, man. Just his story was really powerful, impactful. How he's helping athletes now in Houston, right? He's going in yeah. with some teams. He's working with a lot of athletes. And he tells us, he said it in the podcast, how you can go, and I don't care if you take a thousand swings today or if you take one swing today, but let's be intentional with our actions. Let's have a purpose for why we do something. And so he's doing a lot of really cool things. Make sure you're following and staying engaged with him. And just that mindset that he's been able to shift and seeing it firsthand. I got to see it firsthand. We both put a lot of pressure on ourselves with the Diamondbacks. And when that coach said that to him, you, you can see how it really affected him. And then he said, hey, screw that, right? I'm gonna go and chase my dream, my career, my performance. So just seeing how he used his failures to help him grow in the future. And now he gets to use it with other athletes. So very powerful story, awesome guy. Uh, and I'm excited to see him soon. Yeah, we didn't get a mention in the pod, but uh, his Instagram is Z. Nariere, and we have it up on screen, and then uh, his TikTok, Zach underscore Sports Performance. Uh, check those both out. I know he's been trying to get it up, he didn't get it rolling. It's a slow, slow start. I, it, dude, the whole social media game is tough, but uh, he's jumping into it and going to be providing some good info on there. So jump on that. Uh, and we can't thank you guys enough for hanging with us, man. Like this has been taken off. I, I don't even know what episode we're at. I think it's like 16, 17 of our, this new series, the next, next wave here. Uh, and even more pumped, Jared Perkins is going to be joining us on a majority or as many as he can, uh, podcasts and interviews coming up. So, uh, we're fired up. JP has been the hugest addition to the team. Uh, and just what a positive guy, you know what I'm saying? Like fun to be around. So. Uh, excited for that and uh, excited for the week ahead. So let's go. Uh, that's it week. for us. That's it for us. Yes, have a great week. <laughs> hey, and practice gratitude. <laughs> bang, bang. Have a great week.